The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, welcome to a very special, maybe the most special episode of You Need Therapy, specifically Couch Talks, but overall, You Need Therapy. You have just opened up the 100th episode of the podcast. And that is where we wish that we had like an air horn or something to like go up. There we go. <laughs> because we made it to 100 episodes. And I will say, one, didn't know we were going to get here. And I'm going to talk all about that. And we're going to we're going to explore the past what I guess almost two years. But what I thought would be very cool today, this is couch talk. So we're gonna do a little differently. Usually on couch talks, if you're newer, I answer questions from listeners on Wednesdays that you guys send in to Catherine at Uni Therapy podcast. But today I was like, well, this is the 100th episode we need to celebrate. Why don't we take it back to where it all started, which was if you have not been there before, maybe you might want to go back to the first episode first. It was sitting in my living room of my old house on my couch with my friend, Kelly Fox. Hi, everyone. Can I just say? <laughs> I like that you you waved. <laughs> she waved at you guys. I am so freaking proud of you, Catherine. Oh, I oh am thank you. I am so, so proud. Not that I didn't think that you were going to have this kind of success, but... It's always great when someone you love and everything's working out. Well, you know, and we'll talk about this, but when I started the podcast, it was obviously for the same reasons that I still do it, but my thought was like nobody would listen to it. (laughs) I thought like some of my friends would listen to it and some of my clients and it's grown way bigger than that. And I've 
was thinking I would do like a couple episodes a year. I wouldn't, didn't think I was going to do two every single week. So I do want to talk about just that process of like, you were literally the first episode. So you were in it in the beginning. And I want to talk about that episode and what we talked about. But I also want to talk about like, what were your thoughts? Because I was like, hey, you're in town. Kelly lives not here. It, where are you right now? Because I am not- currently in the gorgeous uh, Napa Valley of California. How long have you been there? We came for a wedding okay. and then have stayed oh. for the week. Okay. Well, I, that's, I mean, good yeah, for you. Thank you. But she was in town. This is pre-pandemic, obviously. She's in town. So I was like, hey, you're in town. I want to start this podcast. Will you be my first guest? <laughs> and you were like, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I guess my a question for you would be like, what was it like? I guess it was just like, yeah, sure. Like not thinking much of it thinking it would just be like a a little thing that your friend does, right? No, I mean, I really did think that it was going to be successful. And like, I don't really know how how to translate exactly the definition of what I mean by success, but anything you do is successful. Like you are someone who is like, hey, I'm passionate about this. I'm going to figure out how to reach an audience. Like I didn't know how big that audience was gonna be, but I was like, no, she's got a great following from fitness and therapy and those people are going to tell people and they're going to tell people and then it's going to blow up in certain circuits is what I really did believe. I never imagined it was going to be a this fast or the sort of like sponsorship level and stuff like that. Like that was, and that was so shortly after you started. Yeah, it was with under a year. We shot the first episode that was around the holidays. And then when I came back to visit you that summer, you had already been in the works of like sponsorship and I was like holy moly that was like six months later well I was gonna say in my head it's not so much about like me and what I do and that I mean I do work hard and I get passionate about things and I work hard but it also to me the message that I was sent through all of this is people want to learn about this stuff people are interested in what is talked about on here which is so funny because I think it's not funny it's so I mean, maybe frustrating that people want to talk about the stuff that we talk about on here, Mm -hmm. but we don't like people want to go to therapy and explore their lives and learn about stuff and have hard conversations and, and get to know ourselves and understand people. And then for some reason, it's hard to actually do that. So I'm glad that I've been able to put the content out because it's giving people like a like a nudge to go do that. And it's it's okay if I can start the conversation in my car listening to this thing by myself, then I can move out, which leads yeah. me to like when we did that first episode, it was all about attachment, mm-hmm. which that's just, that's the underpinnings of everything I do as a therapist. And you had never heard of any attachment theory ever. So yeah, how was that helpful to you? And how has that change the way way you think about yourself, other people, relationships, or has it? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. It has tremendously changed the way I think about myself. One of the things I would say that it initially did for me is it allowed me to give myself more grace in elements of life that I probably was not probably, but most certainly was much harder on myself about before. Like, you know, if I would react in a certain way that certainly could be deemed cold or standoffish or these things. And I would be like, why am I like that? Oh, that's so annoying. Just be, be warm. Just put yourself into this situation. Who cares? And then after talking to you, I was able to be more like, Hey, there's something to work on, but it's like, be easy on yourself and understand where you came from and where you developed these characteristics and these traits. And then it's also helped me navigate with other people, honestly, like 
how to understand what Mm. other people in my life might need and how to be like, okay, I want to give these people what they need because I love them and I care about them. And I don't want to be withholding and I don't want to be distant and it's for the better for everyone, but it is a daily struggle. And I would say that now knowing even that brief conversation we had in the grand scheme of things, it was brief compared to like how much diving in we could possibly do. But it's like, even just that conversation has helped me every day be more aware to be honest, to be like, okay, relax. You don't need to be this way or think about it from this person's perspective. And not like really just be like easy on yourself is really what I would say. Well, cause what you're saying is it's so easy to be frustrated about how I mm-hmm. am or how people are, mm-hmm. but then it's also so easy to not be frustrated if we understand the why yeah. behind the how and yeah. the what, because before it's, it's almost like everybody's on an even playing field. And so these expectations that we have for ourselves and others are all on this even playing field. And so we, if, if somebody doesn't meet that or if somebody falls short or somebody reacts in a way that isn't mm-hmm. what you would do or what you think is right, including mm-hmm. yourself, it's, it's so easy to be like, ah, yes. like there's something wrong mm-hmm. with you with this information. It's like, Oh yes. Okay. There's nothing wrong with me. This is just kind of telling the story of, my life and how I've, I've grown up and what I've known and I can't do better yeah. or be better or, or any of that unless I go back mm-hmm. and look at that stuff, unless I know, mm-hmm. like I have to have the awareness and then I can make the changes. So I think that's really cool to think about of, yeah, this is important for anybody to learn about regardless as if you really want to go to therapy, but it just, it gives you an understanding versus this like almost like blind going into life blind. Yeah. It, it helps with expectations. Yes. And I would even say also from a professional standpoint, I am just in my nature avoidant of difficult things. Like I do, I, I will avoid discomfort and pain and causing somebody else pain and having any kind of hard conversation is just not my forte at all. And this particular year with work, I had like three or four instances of needing to like really either give bad news in a really like serious way or having to knowing that something was going wrong and I had to like step in and say like this is all going wrong I need like we're gonna have to fix it and that would be something that typically I would literally run for the hills from and I would be I I would like in my past either completely ghost even in professional settings I would like ghost people to just be like oh I don't want to have these hard conversations and this year I was like hey yeah I would like give myself pep talks before I was going to go into these moments and I'd be like I know you don't want to do this and it's okay, but everything's going to be okay when you push through it. Like, you know that other people have to have these kind of conversations and they get through them. You're no different. Do you know what it is about hard conversations, conflict, however you would define that, that makes you want to run? What is it about those things that makes you want to run? I think um, if I had to like kind of narrow it down into like an articulate way, I would say it's it's two twofold. One is... Um, I feel that because I tend to be quite independent and I like to sort of be the master of my own domain, I'm, I'm very opinionated and deliberate in my life, but I do not like imposing my opinions necessarily on others. I do not like, if I'm in a group of four people and we're talking about where to eat lunch, I'll be the last person to speak up. But if I'm on my own, I can make my decision in 10 seconds. I know exactly what I want to eat. So part of me just thinks that like, I am so uncomfortable by imposing on anybody else's comfort happiness, taste buds. I say I want Vietnamese chicken salad and they want, you know, ramen or whatever. And I'm like, 
oh, well, we should just eat ramen because it's like, I don't want them to ever be implicated by my decisions, I guess, if that makes sense. So like, I'm not, I'm not a strong leader of a group. Like I'm happy to, if I'm in a group, I'm happy to be in the background. I even always use this example, like, I am an interior designer. I love designing my spaces, but in all the times I've ever had roommates, college, post-college, anything, I like just let them do whatever they want in the houses because I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to have any opinion on it. I don't want to. And then as soon as I live by myself or have my own space, I have all of my stuff just ready to go. I know exactly how I'm going to do everything in the house or everything in the apartment. But when I'm with other people, I just want to like let it all be their decisions and their stuff. And so I think that when you're telling somebody something bad or you're breaking bad news or you're like needing to have hard conversations, it's like I'm going to walk into someone's life and then I'm going to say something that's going to implicate them and it's going to leave shrapnel in their life of like whatever it is that I need to say or need to do. And I feel so guilty about those things. And it's funny because, you know, like my boyfriend will always be like, you don't care what anybody thinks of you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I care very much what people think of me. I just don't often include, like, I don't also, I don't like to ask other people for a lot of opinions or whatever about my personal stuff because I don't want them to be offended if I don't take their advice or anything like that either. But like, I care very much that people are comfortable very and happy much. and having a good time. Okay. So I have 17 follow-up okay. questions to that. One, you mentioned, I feel guilty. Yeah. Okay. Guilt is not a bad feeling because it tells us when we're doing something wrong and something that's outside of our value system. Mm -hmm. And so when people talk about guilt, sometimes I'm like, great, let's listen to that guilt. Let's talk about it and let's do something different. But I also think it's important when you feel guilt to ask yourself, okay, I feel guilty. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And then once you figure that out, okay, what am I doing wrong? You get that answer. The next question is, do I really think that's wrong? So for you, when you feel guilty, if you had to answer that, when you have to have a hard conversation with somebody in order to get your needs met, whether it be personally or in work, and other people are, are uncomfortable from that conversation or it affects them in some way, what are you doing wrong? So yeah. like if, even if I'm thinking of certain examples, even in, in a personal life situation, like if I'm stating my needs which might be different than those around me. But I think my, the guilt or what I feel that I'm doing wrong is that then I'm holding someone back from what, if, if my need opposes their need, like if it's opposition, it's like, oh, they want this thing, I want this thing. If I say that I want this thing and they comply, then that means they're not gonna get what they want or what they need. That's not true. Well, okay, that's great. So that's not true because what you just did is you tried to mind read them. And you're trying to say that they want that thing more than they want whatever will help the relationship. Yeah. So maybe they might want that thing, but the relationship is more important to them. They might not totally be like super pumped about it, but at the same time, they're as an adult making a choice to do that with you. Yeah, that's true. So if they have resentment or whatever it is around that, that's on them, not on you. They chose to say, okay, I hear you. Let's do it. Let, I guess we're going to do that. Yeah, that's true. But then oftentimes I'll be like, no, we'll just do it your way. <laughs> so then the other thing that I was, as you were talking about that earlier is, okay, you are a very independent person when it's just you. But when other people are involved, you kind of become almost like sub yeah. submissive. Is that too no, much? Yeah, okay, yeah. that fits. Because you want other people to be allowed to be independent. You want other people to, be, to feel how you feel when you're alone. But what happens is you, you kind of turn your whole ideals upside down. 
and you sacrifice your wants and needs to make sure that other people have what you think that they might want and need, which is fine if you're fine living that way. (laughs) Yeah. And that might be something that you're like, this is just who I am and this is however I'm going to be for the rest of my life. But when and if it becomes a problem, and this is really for anybody, I would ask the question, what do I need to believe that my desires and my independence is just as important as everybody else's? So I would say that in this past year, I've been trying harder to vocalize my wants and needs in group settings and to be, I guess, like not ashamed of the things that I want. Like I I find that I really, really do value my alone time because I feel that that is where I restore myself. If I have too much stimulation constantly, I get depleted quick and I feel like, you know, quite, um, I don't know, just like down and like tired. I don't feel like myself if I have too much of that. And so something that I've realized even if I'm in a work setting where we're all like buddy, all the people I work with, we're, we're like buddies. And so it'll be a work day. And then if everybody wants to go and continue to be like, oh, let's all just go grab something to eat or let's all go play a pickup game of soccer or whatever it is, like stuff like that always comes up. And I used to just be like, oh, I should just go because I should go. Like, that's what I should do. And that's what people expect me to do. And because I am, mm-hmm. you know, like a leader in the company I work for. And so it's like, I thought that that was the right thing to do. And then in this last year, I've just been able to say like, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I'm going to go home or I'm going to go to the gym by myself or I'm going to do this and that. And mm-hmm. initially I would get flack for it. And then now I feel like people are more like, oh, this is what we expect out of her now. Then that does make me feel a little sad because I'm like, oh, I don't want people to expect that I don't ever want to go do these things. But I usually don't really want to ever do those things. Yeah, but what they're saying is we expect Kelly to be independent and make choices based on what she wants to do versus what she thinks she has to or should do. That's a good thing. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed lately that I really want to work on is how to, one, be able to express my needs before everything is happening. Like once I've kind of like let things get to a certain point and then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to go there. And it's like too late. And then I don't have the best tact in those moments. And so then that can oftentimes cause the contention and animosity and like unnecessary discomfort for everyone. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you, you need therapy after you check out. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And you know what? I want to wrap this back to like the first episode where we talked about attachment and we talk about avoidant attachment. And what I know about you, Kelly, well, I will go ahead and say is you might have developed a a leaning towards a more avoidant and insecure avoidant attachment as a kid. I find you as as a securely attached human being. So yes. So I'm saying all this and let's, I will go out and say that you're a securely attached human being. We all are going to have some leanings towards stuff, right? But what I'm hearing you say is the coping skills you developed as somebody who was taught to kind of like repress my feelings and Mm -hmm. needs and wants and desires you're wanting to break those now which is great which is is why i know you're you're leaning more into this securely attached person because you're aware and you know that they're not working Mm -hmm. for you but your go-to is like it's just the natural part of you is to like not say anything or make it easy for other people not ask for too much because you don't want you you, you're going to get let down you don't want to get hurt so all those protective measures when you say I want to set better boundaries, what you're saying is I don't want to use these protective measures that aren't helping mm-hmm. me anymore. Yes. So that's huge. And for anybody who's listening, who has been on this journey through uh, talking and learning about attachment, that's really the goal. Like the goal isn't to make you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doomed because I have this attachment and my life was this way and this is what I learned. No, the goal is to figure out what did you learn so then we can unlearn it. And that might take a while and you might not ever get it perfectly, but where what you're doing now is 
saying, let's just keep going with the boundaries. I want to learn how to create better boundaries. So that's what Kelly's doing is she's, she found awareness and it probably wasn't the most comfortable awareness, but now as she is wanting more out of her life and she's realizing, oh, my needs can be met by people. It's taking you time and it's not still like you're going to have that natural pop up of like, oh, I don't want to make other people uncomfortable, but you're willing to um, go against it. And eventually those scripts are going to start to change. Mm-hmm. The more you set boundaries earlier on, the more you say, no, I don't want to do that. The easier it becomes because you are giving yourself evidence that disproves old stories. So every time you say, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to go do this thing by myself. And somebody's like, okay, I still love you. Or, okay, I'm bummed. I'm going to miss you, but I respect mm-hmm. you. Whatever it is, you're getting more evidence that it's okay mm-hmm. for for people to be disappointed in a choice you make, but also they're still going to show up and be around and, and invite you again. Yes, yes. That's the big learning factor is knowing that like, I'm around people all the time that are very articulate with their needs and their wants. And I love those people to death. So like, why should it be any different for me? Like, why shouldn't I Mm -hmm. accept or expect that hopefully people will feel the same, same for me. In your house growing up, was it always like what your dad wanted? 100%. Okay. That's a hundred percent where that's all coming from. Really? Yeah. It's, it was always what your dad wanted. So why are you going to voice a need? You're not going to voice a need. If you want something, you're going to steal the car and go get it. Exactly. So it that makes perfect sense because that's what you were taught. There was no point in you asking for what you needed. But then here is my big concern is that in my house growing up, it was, and you know, of course, it's like if I asked my mom, maybe she would deny this. But the way it, it fully appeared to me as a youth, as a teen, my experience was it was my dad's world. We were living in it. And like it was whatever he wanted to eat for dinner, we always ate, like, I remember always asked my mom, like, why don't we ever have chicken? Like all my friends eat chicken. And she's like, well, your dad doesn't like chicken. So we just like never ate chicken in my house. Like it was like just weird stuff like that, but all vacations entirely planned by my father, every element of it where he wanted to go weekends hobbies were my dad liked to golf. So everything was about golfing and, and golf course stuff and whatever. And so what I, what I find the biggest weirdest struggle in my life is that in social settings, in group settings, in work settings, I'm very happy being passive and it makes me feel the most comfortable. But in my private life, and I would say private life, even deeming my partnership, like with my boyfriend, like I want to be the boss so bad and I'm constantly trying to be authoritative in like, no, it's not going to be this way. This is how we're going to do it. This is where this goes. That doesn't work. That's not where that goes. In my, in my apartment and stuff, like they put a cup somewhere I don't like and I move it, you know, or whatever. And so I feel like in this juxtaposition constantly being like, how can I be so passive in this one area? But then in this other area, I need so badly to be strong and, and vocal and whatever. And that's something that my boyfriend says constantly. He's like, you're only comfortable being this vocal with me. And he'll make little jokes about calling me my dad. He's like, oh my God, you're, you're going to be your dad or you're becoming your dad. And then that's terrifying because I'm like, oh my God, I'm, it's not a dictatorship. Like I want everybody to feel like they can also have their needs met or go where they want to go or like eat what they want to eat. What do you make of that though? Well, wait, what do you mean? Like I, I'm a well, little scared, but. What makes it easy to be passive in a group, but it sounds like it's it's almost like torturous to be passive in a relationship. Yeah, I yes. I, I think that 
being a, a rather observant kid, I was watching my parents' dynamic and they always seem very happy and I'm sure they are happy and, you know, I'm not going to like speculate on that. But like their dynamic was one in which, like I said, everything was my dad's show and my mom just went along with it. And I think that that felt terrifying for me to ever be a passive member of my household or a passive member if I have kids someday to be like a passive member in my children's life and that like that their father be the one who's making all the decisions for them and teaching them and showing them and whatever and so I feel like maybe honestly it's like less of the fear of becoming my father it's like more of the fear of becoming my mother I was waiting for you to say that oh (laughs) I found my way to that I'm so glad you said that because I think it was more painful to watch your mom Mm -hmm. than to live with the rules and way of your dad. It was harder to watch because I think as the the just like temperament you were born with, you are somebody who has desires and wants and you are so open to the world and you see so many opportunities. And it, I think it was painful to watch your mom not have almost have her own sense Mm -hmm. of self. And that's something that you are, I don't want to use the word terrified because I don't want to put feelings inside of your body. But I think that is probably one of the biggest unconscious motivation in your mm-hmm. being is to not turn into And that. I think like, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think that's something that always struck me even when I was young is my mom rarely talks about herself, like really rarely talks about herself. She also doesn't really talk about anybody, which is one of the most commendable things about her is that she... I did not grow up with like a dramatic shit talking mom. Yeah. You know, she just like was not engaged in any of that kinds of stuff. But occasionally if she ever talked about herself or who she was when she was young or like a young woman, it sounded like a complete stranger to the mom I knew. And that was always what was so shocking to me is like my dad, if he's talking about himself, he's talking about who he was, but also who he is that day. He, you know, if he ever was talking about like, oh, how hardworking he is. He pulls himself up by the bootstraps, this and that. His hobbies that he really likes. My mom might have said something to me when I was younger being like, oh, what did you want to be when you grew up? And she, out of nowhere, is like, oh, I love to write. I always wanted to be an author. And it was my biggest pastime, my biggest hobby. I've never known my mom to write anything. So then it's also like this idea of me, me being very scared about being like, oh, as a teen and talking to her and knowing the things that I really enjoyed and the things that I identified with being a 17-year-old girl, I'm like, oh, am I supposed to not care about any of these things when I have a family because my mom doesn't care about any of the things she or doesn't seem to engage in any of the things she at one point really cared about? And it's like, oh, is that, you know, and then of course I've developed into like quite the hyper-feminist where then I go into the the just traditional household roles and being like, oh, no one's going to hold me back. I'm not going to do those things. And yeah. This is a question for you to think about too. You might not be able to answer this now, but what do I need? What would it take? What do I need to learn? What do I need to unlearn to start to believe and trust that I can both get my needs met and not stifle other people's needs? Well, I can get my needs met and be in a a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a different way to say that. Maybe it's like, what do I need to believe that you can have a partnership where both people can be satisfied? Mm -hmm. Both people can go after. And and that's not what everybody wants. That's one thing that I think is important to note here is that some people are fine to give up. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier when you're like mind reading. Some people are fine to give up parts of their lives to satisfy other people 
and they don't have any problem with it. That's not ours mm-hmm. to judge. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> so what it, what it will it take for me to trust and believe that I can both get my needs met and be in a relationship, a committed relationship? Well, this leads me to a question for you too, is to be like, do you engage or believe or have any insight or opinions into this idea in a relationship of someone being the alpha and someone being the beta or this idea of when people are like, oh, well, they're both alpha, so they'll never work out or they're both betas, they'll never work out or, oh, you know, this like idea of opposites attract versus. Did we talk about this? No. Okay. (laughs) I have some feelings about this. So I do want to plug this book, um, Man Enough by Justin Baldoni. (laughs) telling everybody about you reading that book. I still haven't read it. But like, did you hear about this book, Man Enough? Haven't read it. It's so good. It is so good. But he talks about this and I'm, I swear to God, while I was reading, the, while I was listening to this chapter, I wasn't reading it. I was listening to it and I literally audibly, I'm like, yes, yes. Somebody said it. Yes. He has a whole chapter about I've, this. And if anybody's interested in this, go read that book, specifically that chapter. But I also just started listening to audiobooks for the first time ever. And so do you ever say, are you like, I read this book or do you say like, I, yeah. I usually say I listen okay, to it. I, I already I'm like somebody asked me about something I just listened to. And then I said, I read it. And then I immediately felt like a liar. And I was like, oh, I didn't. I'm lying. I didn't read it. <laughs> and then I'm like, but who cares? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm listening to his okay. book. But so basically, I will say that like this whole alpha beta thing has it's debunked. Like it's not a I don't it's not a real thing. I can't remember the details of all of the research. I'll figure it out and I'll talk about it on another episode. But what he does talk about is that when you talk about alpha and beta, okay. So what does that even mean? Because I might be an alpha, which the alpha would be the more dominant person and the beta be the more the submissive follower type. I might be an alpha at work right I might like just kill it at work and like I'm the boss and I'm CEO of something I do this blah 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 blah. okay well usually when you're really really skillful in one area you're gonna lack skills in another area and so I might be the alpha at like taking charge and and blah 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 but then I might have a beta side of me when it comes to listening and being empathetic and having patience and and all of that or I might be the alpha when it comes to like physical fitness, working out, doing this, like I can tell you what to do and how to do it and all that stuff. But then I might be the beta in the more like, or, or let's use this example. I might be like the alpha and like, I like to like lift weights and, and do CrossFit and all this stuff and blah, blah. Then I might be the beta and like, okay, I need somebody to help me do yoga and center and stay calm. You can't have, and those aren't the best examples, but what I'm saying is you can't have the alpha side of every single part mm-hmm. of life. It's not possible because that means that I have to be able to be equally both everything, mm-hmm. which say that you have to be equally both everything. That's not possible. You're going to have strengths and you are going to have weaknesses. And some of those weaknesses are because of your strengths and some of your strengths are because of your weaknesses. Yeah. So the whole alpha beta thing in a relationship doesn't make sense. I think what people are trying to talk about is finding people that are complimentary yeah that whole thing just really gets me going also it's just in my opinion unkind to label somebody as such and then say because the other thing is complimentary in your relationship is going to be different than complimentary mm-hmm. in my relationship yeah. where you might think one situation feels balanced that might feel unbalanced mm-hmm. to me i might want somebody who goes head to head to me on financial mm-hmm. decisions and that feels 
good and healthy and balanced. You might want somebody who tells you exactly what to do or that you can tell exactly mm-hmm. what to do. And that's up to each individual person's wants and desires in a relationship. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. I think that the, yeah, the concern or where I have come up with this idea is like finding this balance of in the past relationships I've been in, I certainly had felt like the more alpha in many areas of the relationship. And then in this current relationship I'm in, I think that we are both very strong personalities with very pinpoint agendas. Like we both have agendas for today, for next month, for next five years. And that is the challenge when talking, like looping back to being like, God, I don't want to become my dad, nor do I want to become my mom. But it's this like fear of being like, well, if you have two people who have very distinct ideas of what their life should be or how they want to live their life and what that looks like. And one of them is not like, I feel like you oftentimes have somebody who is more like, Hey, I want to live close to my parents because I want this and that. And the other person's like, okay, no problem. But if you're both like, Oh, for an example, you both want to live close to your parents, but ne- your parents don't live in the same state. And, but that's something neither one of you is willing to bend on. Like, what would you, you know, how do you handle somebody has to bend. Well, that's less, to, that has less to do with being alpha and beta and more to do with what are you guys willing to compromise? What are you willing to sacrifice? And what are you willing to offer? And what, what are you willing to do in your relationship? I think if we could throw away the alpha beta conversation, and that could be a whole different conversation on compatibility and mm-hmm. willingness. What am I willing to do to make this relationship work? What am I not willing mm-hmm. to do? And learning how to have kind conversations with each other in order so you cannot both get your needs met equally all the time, mm-hmm. but try to mm-hmm. get your needs met the best mm-hmm. you can, knowing that in a relationship, I'm not going to get everything I want. And that's part of being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A healthy one. Yeah, totally. My, my mentality is always like, well... <laughs> If one of us can't get what we want, neither one should get what we want. And we should just have something fresh and different that's a compromise for both people. But then that's But that's that's fine. If if you guys agree on that and that feels right to be like, okay, if we can't decide, I think the best decision is this. If you guys both agree on that, who's to say that that's the wrong thing to do? I think I would phrase it differently of if we can't both get what we want and neither of us are going to get what we want. If we can't, if we can't both get what we want, how about we see if there are any other options that we might want? Yeah, you're right. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up because, you know, we could be here forever, but at some point this conversation has to end. For you guys out there, we'll keep talking. But I want to say in closing, thank you, Wanda Kelly, for helping us get this started in the first place. And thank you to anybody who has joined us along the way. Truly this, I mean, I would probably still do it, but the podcast wouldn't be what it is if I didn't have people listening to it. I might still record them and put them out, but it wouldn't have the impact that I think it is having, which was my goal is to help people engage in conversations that I know that we want to have, but we just need a little nudge to have. So thank you for joining us on this whole ride. Thank you for everybody who's helped me do it from, I feel like I'm giving an acceptance speech for like an award that I haven't won, (laughs) but (laughs) I just wanted to say thank you to all of you that have supported because honestly, you hear me and you hear the guests, which obviously thank you, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are helping out too, that make it possible for me to do this and to do it as frequently as I'm doing it. So obviously Houston, whoever in the world thinks that I speak eloquently, they believe that because Houston is a met like magician when it comes to producing and editing the podcast. <laughs> so thank you. And then Amy and iHeart and all the people. I mean, I'm just so grateful 
to be able to host the podcast. So thank you guys. I want to say to celebrate, we are going to do a little giveaway. So we're going to give away a uni therapy, feel your feelings like package. So we're going to give away one of the feel your feelings shirts, one of the feel your feelings mugs, and I have four stickers that I am going to put in there as well. And you can see them on Instagram. I'm not going to just like read them all off. If you want to, if you're interested in a sticker, go on Instagram. You can follow at uni therapy podcast and at cat.defada and all the info will be on there about how to enter to win. Actually, I'm deciding we're going to give away two of those. So go check those out. That will be up today for you guys to enter to celebrate. And um, yeah, I I don't want to end this because I don't want to end the 100th episode, but it it has to be done. So anything you want to say, Kelly? Any last thing you want to say to the people? Oh my gosh, I'm just so honored. I'm so honored to be the number one episode and the 100th episode. I know. All the special episodes. No, I feel really grateful for what I learned on the first episode. I did end up starting therapy after that episode, um, which has been super helpful and great and such a welcomed moment of my week or every other week to just like divulge and like tangent and learn things and stuff. So I've been really grateful for that. And I'm just so proud of you. You are accepting the award, the award of 100 episodes. All right, guys. Well, I will be back with you on Monday and uh, have the rest of the week you need to have. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.